0: Sometimes all it takes to put something into motion is a simple text message. Last Sunday, I had received a response from Zach Curtis, a collector and toy dealer who lives in the Ohio area. I had written to him during the weekend to see how he was faring at the Great Ohio Toy Show in Xenia, Ohio. There had been a strong buzz around this particular show. And it seemed to pulse with momentum, as the anticipation for it grew with each passing day. And although I was interested in attending it, I had a prior commitment for the second weekend in a row that would once again keep me from traveling out to Ohio. And since I lived hundreds of miles away, it was tough to get a grasp on the Xenia show. I had some general questions. What was it like? What kinds of items did vendors bring? Were they happy with their sales results? Did a large number of people attend, like the promoters had estimated? And if they did, were they finding a reason to open their respective wallets? At some point in the day after the show, when Zach had a moment to finally breathe, he responded to my latest message. He said, Xenia's show was insane. Kind of changed my entire perspective of the toy market. I was extremely happy to know the show was a success for my friend. But his words replayed in my head over and over for the next hour, and left me immensely curious. How did it change his entire perspective of the toy market? After a year in which interest in collectibles began its inevitable downturn after a supercharged and prolonged ascent, the signs of life in collecting were still there, but were fewer and more sporadic. General demand for items had dwindled, and the larger collector base had moved on from the collectibles-focused frenzy. People reassessed their spending habits as inflation set in and the cost of living increased. And as I mentioned in the previous series, the hobby as a whole needed a bit of a breather after running what felt like three or four back-to-back marathons once the pandemic fired its starter pistol. But how does one show change someone's entire perspective of collecting and of the toy market? I had to speak with Zach. I had to hear more about how the show impacted him. And I thought you'd be curious to hear Zach's response as well. And in the same way I wanted to know more about the Columbus Toy Show, I wanted to get a fuller understanding of what the Great Ohio Toy Show was like for those who attended and vended, for those who spent a weekend in Xenia. And the best way to do so when you can't experience it yourself is to speak with those who are fortunate to travel out to the Green County Fairgrounds and Expo Center at the end of March. This is a recap of The Great Ohio Toy Show in Xenia, Ohio. This is a series of conversations with those who set up and sold at the show and those who shopped at 700 Tables on a Saturday in March. This is a glimpse into how a one-day show can attract 10,000 attendees, and how it can change one's perspective on the overall toy market. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and production. In March of 2020, Xenia's Great Ohio Toy Show was a burgeoning event, beginning with only 150 tables. It was one of the few shows that rebelled against the COVID closures and regulations, and continued consistently throughout the pandemic. And over the past three years, it has become one of the fastest-growing toy shows in the country, boasting 500 vendors and more than 700 tables. A recent Dayton Daily News article estimated that if the show's tables were arranged in a straight line, they would span the length of 20 football fields. That's an impressive amount of toys to see in one location. And the location of the show is a unique one. The Green County Fairgrounds and Expo Center hosted its first fair in the 1880s. It houses seven large buildings, each of which contains an assortment of vendor tables and it's easy to spend a full day touring the show in its entirety. The Xenia Show specializes in toys and antiques from the 20th century, along with newer offerings of modern collectibles. In talking to collectors about past Xenia Shows, two notable aspects stood out to me as to explain its growing popularity. The almost overwhelming number of tables and toys entices many to take the trip. And like the Kane County Toy Show in Chicago, Xenia feels slightly more like a flea market, drawing both vendors and people clearing out their basements and attics. And in that sense, the fact that no one knows what will turn up for sale is a large part of its appeal. I've heard collectors describe Xenia as like Kane, but better, or the new Kane County, those are some pretty big shoes to fill, as Kane County has a long and storied history of amazing finds, and I intend to experience the Xenia show for myself in the near future. But for now, I thought it would be helpful to get a few different takes from some of our collecting friends who attended last week's event. A few of their names will likely be familiar, as they joined me for a look at the previous week's series on the Columbus Toy Show. Vicky Bitter returns, but this time with her collecting partner-in-crime, Mike Esposito. Vicky and Mike collect vintage Star Wars items from the 1970s and 1980s, and they managed to bring home a very special prototype from the Xenia show. Clifton Boggs, owner of the Canton Toy Shop, Happy Pappy's Action Figure Extravaganza, set up as a dealer at Xenia. I'm curious to hear about whether the show was a good one for him, and what he picked up for himself while he was there. I believe he may have scored some rare Star Wars prototypes as well. Joel Slater lives in the Cleveland area, not too far from Clifton, and he attended the Xenia show with a close friend. He purchased a rare item meaningful to the early history of the Kenner Star Wars action figures, and when he reached out to me about doing a conversation for the podcast, he seemed very enthusiastic about his time in Xenia. I'm looking forward to speaking with him, Vicky, Mike, and Clifton today. But first, let's sit down with Zach Curtis, who you may know as that vintage toy guy. Zach has a world-class Superman collection, a YouTube travel vlog called Holiday Road, and he is a dealer who specializes in all things vintage. As I mentioned earlier, he hinted that the Xenia experience had an effect on how he views the toy market, and I'm certainly curious to hear more about it. So find a comfortable seat, grab your favorite beverage, and let's learn more about Xenia's Great Ohio Toy Show together. So, Zach, I've been dying to ask you how did the Xenia show change your perspective of the entire toy market?
1: Yeah, no, the uh the Xenia the show was great. So uh another great Ohio toy shows. I always tell people that Ohio I think has the the best toy shows in the country um and the best toy shops in the country. So if you're ever uh, if you ever get the chance to make it up here for our uh any of our great toy buying adventures, I, I highly recommend it. But yeah, no how had, had a great time in in uh in Xenia this time. Um it was awesome. It's been over a year since I, I've got to do that show. Um, I missed the last one, unfortunately, for a business trip of mine. Um, so it, it had been kind of a year away from this show, uh, and I, I, I guess I'd kind of for, forgotten about it and what it was. And uh, it, it's it's such a unique show. It's a, it's a very cool feel. It's got uh, it's got five buildings. I oh, know six buildings now. No, seven buildings. It, it keeps growing um, we're, we're up <laughs> seven, to seven buildings, buildings yes. now all spread out uh, that we had record attendance this year. Uh, I want to say pro- I, i't I wouldn't be surprised if we were ten thousand people um, but it was it was really cool And in a time where I've seen some of my eBay sales slow down and some of the uh, some of the social media stuff uh dry up a little bit more there There seemed to be a lot of enthusiasm at the show. Uh, I noticed a lot of new faces, new collectors I hadn't seen before. That was really encouraging to me um, and, and a lot of uh, a lot of higher end sales with, with people showing up with uh, notebooks full of their uh, their want lists and things they were crossing down, crossing off the list and uh, I just felt a lot of really cool energy um, it was a great time I got to meet a lot of new people that I hadn't met before in the hobby so yeah it was a great experience
0: It sounds like you met more collectors that were aiming to get pieces for their collection rather than people that were Scooping stuff up in order to resell, for the most part. Yeah,
1: yeah, and there was a, there was a lot of both. Um, I, I will say this show had a it had a lot of out of town people. Um, that was really cool. So this had a had a, a neat flavor because it wasn't just uh, local people, but it was a lot of people from. It felt like all across this part of the country, um, but there was definitely their their fair share of uh, vendors there trying to buy stuff for deals. Uh, but there was also a, a lot of collectors that were. coming for for certain items and they were looking for certain things and it's always fun to be able to help find those things for people
0: so how did it change your perspective then because i mean it sounds like it was overall just you know a fantastic show um the the mood was great the sales were great the buys were fantastic um but this the the message you sent me spoke to kind of a, a larger um element of of collecting and of the the toy market
1: Right, well, well, like I kind of mentioned to you um I, I felt like I felt like since the so in the middle of the pandemic, we had these crazy highs of prices and energy and collecting and everything else, and I felt like that slowly started to taper off, and you can see that especially evident uh I think in social media um i it just it feels like some of the passion um is is less, and maybe that's just because people have less time to put into it now that we're getting back to busier schedules and jobs and, and more of a, of a normal routine, but less time, um, less money. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and I don't think it's any surprise that the economy is not what it used to be. Um, and and so a lot of, a lot of what you've seen, what we've seen on the internet has kind of been a, a decrease in that passion and that energy, um, so to be at an event like this that had so many people there, um, and, and so many people who were really excited about toy collecting, it just it, it kind of made me feel the energy again. Um, it kind of brought the passion I, I felt like again, and uh, to be able to converse with so many people who were so excited to, to be there, uh, I think it kind of took that uh, that facade down that, that maybe social media puts up, um, and kind of the the jaded feeling that a lot of. The collector groups i think are starting to get now um, went away as you get to talk one-on-one and and in person with people uh and hear their excitement um for some of these these lines and it's just i don't know it's it brought a whole new energy to things in my opinion
0: i see what you mean and and there's a difference between being in person and getting to talk about things that you like like toys and collecting um and also being able to shop for items like that rather than just going on to facebook or going on to ebay and you're right, there is a little bit of a lag as far as, I don't want to, maybe interest in general. Um, and again, I, I've likened that to kind of having this three year crazy party where everyone was spending and, and hoarding and collecting and grabbing and acquiring. And then now it's sort of a breather where I think, I, I know a lot of friends uh, close to me are looking at their collections and assessing what they want to keep and, what really doesn't mean something to them.
1: Right. And I think what I've maybe incorrectly done is I've equated the, the values and prices of items with the passion in the hobby. Um, and I don't think that's always right to do. Um, just because prices are at record highs doesn't mean the interest and passion is at record highs. And I think we saw that again in the pandemic is that a lot of stuff was, was going for crazy money just because People were speculating and had extra money to throw at it and thought it would be worth money. But that didn't necessarily mean that the passion was any higher there. Um, and so as we've seen these prices come back down, it's it's easy to think that interest in the hobby is coming down. But I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Just because people might have less money to put into their collections or just because things things might not bring what they – uh, did a couple years ago. Um, I don't think that means that the, that the passion and the love and the enthusiasm is any less, but it can seem that way, especially when you hide behind, uh, a keyboard in the, in the internet. Um, and I think that's kind of what, uh, was refreshing to have some of these in-person events, um, kind of change my perspective a little bit in in that the, the energy and enthusiasm I think is still there for sure. Um, even if the prices might be a little softer, Than what they used to be
0: well you know what i think what we were seeing with a larger generalized group is that you had a lot of people that were focused on the values um as well as the speculators that were stepping up to the forefront because they were the ones that were cycling through the stuff and i I know a lot of our friends and a lot of collectors within our circles were had complained that they felt like they had been priced out of the market um, an ad of collecting, whether it was Star Wars or other collectibles in general, because the price of everything rose so, so suddenly. Right. Um, and
1: and one, one cool thing I found at this show, I sold a lot of uh, vague items. I sold a lot of unusual sure. things. and I think yeah. people were they, were, they weren't afraid to spend money, but they were also buying things that, that they found interesting, buying things that were fun to them, buying things that were cool to them. Not necessarily just buying things because they thought that was worth money.
0: I feel like we we saw that at the Columbus show, and I know I saw that at Zolocon, and then this weekend I went to the Delaware Toy Show. So I think we're seeing that more and more, where people are going for items that are a little quirkier, a little outside of the realm of, say, st- you know, Star Wars action figures. Um, not that they're not buying them, but they're looking at other lines, even from, say, that you know, the '90s, early two thousands, or even now, and. They're they're kind of investigating, and there's a curiosity and an interest. And if something catches their their eye, they're going to go for that.
1: Exactly, exactly. And we um, for for one example on that um, I brought a, I brought a couple nice boxed Star Wars pieces to the uh, to the show, um, and, and nobody even looked at those. Uh, and I've had them at a couple shows so far this spring, and not one person even looked at them, um. On the flip side of that, I brought stacks of of random kind of just Star Wars merchandise, 1970s record albums, 80s coloring books, uh, puzzle, that kind of stuff. And I bet you I sold 75% of everything I brought uh, for, from those stacks. It's amazing. Um, so so it, it's kind of interesting because, uh, I mean, I think that, uh, again, maybe it used to be that you didn't, the average Star Wars collector wasn't wasn't thinking that way, uh, but now that's the kind of stuff I'm selling more than almost your regular action figures and playsets and everything else.
0: Zach, I had spoken to a friend of mine named Sam Sams in uh, an earlier episode, and he had said that he felt like a lot of the collectors that came in during the pandemic that were shooting to get, say, you know, collect all 92 original Kenner action figures, or you know, doing doing some sort of loose run. They had gotten to a point where they had collected everything from the loose run or, or, you know, for the for the loose action figures. Do you think that maybe what we're seeing now is that a lot of collectors are moving on from that initial entry into the hobby?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I absolutely think that's the case. Um, Now, I think also I think maybe either moving on or or giving up or, or maybe not giving up, but but looking at allocating those resources a little differently um but i also think you're 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 finding a you're, you're seeing collectors move back to a passion for the hobby right so if i'm a uh, if i'm a star wars fan i may enjoy those action figures but if i'm a star wars fan and i've got twenty dollars and i uh, and i can buy one complete return of the jedi figure loose or i can buy maybe three or four different unusual eighties merchandise type items. Like as a, as a pure fan, I feel like I'm going to, going to spend it on the three or four different items, you know? Um, and I, I think that's kind of cool because I think you're seeing, uh, maybe some of the collecting move from this mindset of trying to complete a certain run. Um, and instead shifting to a mindset of buying things we love, buying something that's fun, buying something that connects me to this franchise. Um, so I, I think people are starting to detach themselves from that idea of trying to finish this or complete this run or, or that kind of thing because of uh, maybe fiscal reasons um, and just kind of buying for the for the sake of buying something they love, which doesn't always translate to completing a run. Right. Or or to being something
0: that's valuable or considered hot at the moment. Correct. I'm, I, I'm seeing a, a number of, of people I've spoken to over the last few weeks, even at toy shows, have said, that they've been paring down their collections and looking at things that mean something to them from their childhood. And, and that's the, the main through line that I've heard from a lot of collectors. So maybe it's, it's shifting back toward that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What was your favorite moment from the show? So my favorite moment actually came at the, uh, at the very end of the show. So when I was 12 years old, uh, that's about the earliest point in time when I was buying and selling items, and my mom was kind of teaching me how to use eBay and, and I was just starting uh, to buy and sell toys. So this is about uh 15-ish years ago or so. And I was at a garage sale with my mother, and there was a an underdog lunchbox there from the 1970s. I remember it clear as day, it was five dollars. Uh, but at twelve years old, five dollars is a lot of money. So Uh, I I told my mom I thought I could make money on it, but I just wasn't sure. And I did not buy it. So we drove back to the house and uh, this was before smartphones. So went home and I looked it up online and I found that that lunchbox was the second most valuable lunchbox at the time on record. Um, It was worth several hundred dollars in that condition. Um, So I I ran to my mom. We drove back to the yard sale as quick as we could. And by the time we got there, it was gone. Um, So, to this day, I use the story of the underdog lunchbox as a reason why I always buy something when I see it, uh, to, to not pass on something if I think I can make money on it and to, all, to always pull the trigger. Well, at the end of the show, uh, an older gentleman walked up to me with a, a bag and uh, he says, I think I got something that you might be interested in buying. And I said, okay, let's see what it is. And out of that bag, he pulls an original underdog lunchbox. <laughs> and I, I gotta tell you, I about lost my mind. I, I told the guy, I shared the story with a guy. I said, "Sir, I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm not sure I can make a dime on it, but I can't let you walk out of this booth with that lunchbox because I can't lose it again." Uh, so it was, it was pretty cool. He, he ended up, uh, he ended up selling it to me. I think I paid him two hundred and seventy five dollars for it, and I, I think I, uh, I was able to move it for around four hundred. So I, I did make a uh, I did make a little profit on it, and I can finally say that underdog like underdog got to come and visit for a while. Uh, so it was it was cool. I got to call my mom and share that story with her. So it was a full circle moment for me.
0: And that's really a beautiful way to end a show as well, too, and and to come across a piece that you know maybe you wouldn't see again, or at least for a, you know a decade or more. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. Um, is there? If you had to describe the show in a sentence or two, how would you do it?
1: I I think the words I keep coming back to, as I said before, are energy and enthusiasm. Uh, It it had a real treasure hunt feel. There was a lot of excitement. Um, It it was a show that you felt like you could find anything at any moment. Um, And that's that's a really unique experience or, or feeling to grab hold of.
0: That's fantastic, Zach. I wish I was, I was there with you, uh, but I know that I'm. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing you in the fall, or I guess, yeah,
1: in in October. I think is the mm-hmm. next senior show, right? Yep, yep. Excellent. Will you be setting up? Um, I will, but so we have a baby due in September. Congratulations! Um, so uh, the I, I know for sure I'm I'm doing a couple shows this summer here in Dayton. Uh, I'll be at the Columbus show. Uh, before the baby's born And I'm really hoping to get to the Xenia show But we'll uh, we'll have to see what the uh, What the schedule looks like With the little one on the way
0: Okay well I'll be praying for you Deanna And the little one And I look forward to meeting her at some point as well too uh, But really thank you For taking the time to talk to me about this And, and for giving us I think a fuller uh, Idea of what the show was actually like um, It sounds thank like you. it was a great one for you
1: Awesome Thank
0: you Dave Mike and Vicky, it is so nice to be able to talk to you again. And I am dying to hear about the Xenia Toy Show. Uh, so Vicky, can you if you were to explain what the Xenia Toy Show is, or the Great Ohio Toy Show in Xenia, um, in a few sentences, how would you explain it to someone who has never been there before?
2: It is a massive, diverse set of toy collectors. It is broader and larger than any show I've ever been to. I've been told it rivals Kane County, although I haven't personally visited that, but it is an extremely big show with a lot to see.
0: And Mike, had you been to a Xenia Toy Show in the past?
3: Uh, yes, this was my third time there.
0: Okay, and how did this one compare to previous shows?
3: I thought it was definitely more crowded, seemed more active if that makes any sense uh and it was definitely more fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) and was it was it fun because uh there were more of of your friends there or was it you know more of of, um that you were able to find certain pieces for your collection what made it more fun
3: (laughs) a little bit of both uh i i I haven't. I don't usually purchase a whole lot to shows we go to, and I was able to get something pretty special this time. So you know, that that made it a little more special. And seeing the usual group of friends, that's always great too.
0: Okay, before we reveal what that special thing was. Um, So, Vicki, I asked you about the show when we were speaking about it earlier, and you had given me one word uh, to describe what this experience was like for you. What was that word?
2: When we were chatting. Oh, my goodness, I've forgotten. I said it was off the chain, I think, when I sent you a message.
0: (laughs) Yes. uh, The word that you said was overwhelming.
2: Uh, Overwhelming, for sure. And particularly because... Through the eyes of a newbie, um, not a new collector, but new to the Ohio toy scene, we actually had our friend Brent Field fly in from San Antonio and spend the long weekend with us to experience a little of Ohio's toy scene. And I think seeing his face and watching him get completely overwhelmed by the number of vendors was a highlight of my weekend.
0: If you were to guess, how many vendors would you say were there or how many tables were there?
2: Oh my gosh, Mike, what do you think? I want to say 700 plus.
3: Yeah. So between six to 700, easy.
2: Okay. And I mean, that's a
0: massive amount of tables, um, to go to a show. I I attend some local shows sometimes where you're literally talking 20, 35, 50 tables at, at max. Um, so seeing something like 700 tables, uh, so Mike, what kind of stuff did you see at the show? What kind of stuff did the vendors have, especially in the realm of Star Wars?
3: Well, as, as far as Star Wars, uh, there was pretty broad range. Uh, you could find anything from carded figures to plenty of loose figures, ships, playsets, oddballs. Uh, there's pretty much everything.
0: Uh, was there anything specific that really caught your eye as as um, you know, a standout piece. One that you didn't purchase, but one that, you know, just caught your eye. Uh,
3: there was a gentleman who said he was selling his private collection there who had a boxed Jawa bop bag. And he had a loose Chewbacca bop bag with it. Uh, the box was pretty rough. <laughs> and that's probably <laughs> the only reason why I didn't buy it. <laughs> but I... It's probably the first time I've
0: ever seen one at a toy show. Yeah, you're right. That is something that you don't usually see. Um, I know that a Chewbacca bop bag sold last year that was sealed and graded at a 75 for $8,000 at the Hakes auction, which uh, still makes me laugh every time I think about it. So, Vicki, if you were to guess at how many vendors or what percentage of vendors had Star Wars items? What are we talking about? Are we, is it something like 10% or is it closer to 50?
2: I'd say it's closer to 50. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that whole booth is filled with gems. But part of what I like about Xenia is that you have a whole lot more people that you feel like are making potentially estate sale fines or buying small lots so they have Star Wars Vintage mixed in with potentially lots of other kinds of items, and it becomes a bit of a treasure hunt, either treasure hunting the booth like the gentleman that Mike mentioned who is selling off his private collection in part or in whole, um, and then other people who have uh, old tin toys next to a Barbie, next to Rainbow Bright, next to a Cabbage Patch Kid, and then, oh, look, here's a Clayto carded figures stuck in with a vintage plush Chewbacca. So it was a lot of really varied vendors.
0: And so this sounds more like a flea market where you really have to dig in, you know, where stuff isn't maybe neatly arranged as well. um, And, and that a lot of times you are finding these hidden gems of star Wars items among other tables.
2: Absolutely. I, I still feel, even though, we systematically go in at one end and peruse every table, I still feel like I may have missed 20 to 30% of what I could have seen because it's there's just so much to see and so many people that there were tables you couldn't see unless you were willing to fight through a crowd.
0: Yeah, when you're talking 700 tables, I mean, you are going to miss some stuff. Um, you said you systematically peruse. Um, so when, when the two of you are going to the Xenia Toy Show, what is your plan of attack?
2: We start at the Rabbit Building, which is the one closest to where we park. It's kind of odd, but it's a fairground. So all the buildings are labeled like this is the Rabbit Building. That's the Sheep Building. This is the Assembly Hall. So we start on one end. And then we are the masters of the serpentine. Although I will say that I still get twisted around at the end of aisles. And Mike more than once has to say to me, we're going left. We're going right. Uh We already looked at that. Personal GPS tracker. (laughs) All right. And personal GPS tracker.
0: Uh, how many laps do you usually do in one day when you go to the Xenia toy show?
3: We only got through one this time. And that was, uh, I think
0: we were there about four hours wow that's incredible <laughs>
3: yeah, it was exhausting
2: <laughs> okay yeah, well i i, we I went I, to look at the time at the end i'm like i because i said well we should loop back around and i glanced down at my watch and it's 2 p.m
0: well, that's outstanding and i mean you're literally looking at probably tens of thousands of items you know at, at, at core, across the the four hours which is which is amazing um Okay, I want to get to the special piece because I know both of you are, are excited to talk about it. Um, so, first of all, um, Mike and Vicki, what types of items do you collect?
2: I'm a lot more diverse in variety, although Mike has kind of taken uh, some cues from me over the last year or so, and he's broadening. But uh, I collect primarily Ewoks, Strawberry Shortcake, and Care Bears and in particular have sort of developed a focus into things that are duplicated by the same manufacturer across all three lines. So I've found this whole string of copycats. There's other little eighties things that creep in just because my mindset is sort of as a permanent six year old. If I had it as a child, wanted it desperately as a child, I find some representation and that doesn't mean I collect the entire line necessarily, but Enough of it that it makes me smile and think of sitting on the floor as a kid. Um, This time around, I picked up mostly smalls. Mike and I went in together on two things that I've never seen at a toy show before. Not big purchase items, but two carded Ewoks wallets from the gentleman that was liquidating his collection. The cards are beautiful, the bubbles are perfectly clear, no yellowing, and you rarely see the Nisa with the wicket, much less both carded in beautiful examples. So that was a combo purchase. I got a boxed Mon Chi I got a mint Strawberry Shortcake bitty Baby to upgrade the one that I had on the shelf currently. I got a loose custard to complete my box strawberry shortcake, and I got a Care Bears card game. So that goes just about every gamut of 1980s kid.
0: And I love that you cover uh, the Kenner lines as well as other ones. Um, and I think that's really special that you can go to a show like this and pick up not only Star Wars items, but items – from the Cincinnati area, um, as well as, you know, from other companies that had produced toys from the 80s. So I know you collect Ewoks, um, but you also collect Star Wars on a larger scale, correct?
2: Correct. Mine is uh, mostly loose and uh, tends to be on display like you'd play with it instead of in package. I also do a lot of little Star Wars oddities. Um, I've got most of the 12 inch line. I have most of the shampoos, but mine's all been kind of bit meal pieced together. Like I haven't gone out hunting for anything in particular on most occasions. I'm lucky enough to live in an area of the country where with all the shows and the estate sales that I peruse, I end up stumbling upon stuff that I add to the collection.
0: And you're smart too, because you're not putting any pressure on yourself. And as these pieces fall into your lap, you decide whether or not the price is right. And then you pick them up and you can add them to your collection.
2: Exactly. And it all makes me smile. I call the third floor, our time machine. Oh, and I've been there and I love it. Um, Mike, what do you collect?
3: Uh, as far as star Wars, I collect carded figures, uh, boxed playsets, sets, box 12 inch line. I'm kind of a completist. So I try <laughs> as hard as it is. I I'd like to try and get one of everything. I know that'll never happen. Um, I do have a full run of 96 figures carded plus extras. I have a full run of the 12 inch line all boxed and I have a decent amount of ships in place. That's, uh, they're not all sealed. Uh, Most of them are open, but unused contents. Um, let's see. in the last year I've been trying to collect one item from other toy lines. I, Purchased the number four Barbie this year from 1960. I was lucky enough to find a plush Mickey Mouse from the 1940s. Uh, I picked up my first My Little Pony, uh, first series My Little Pony, this a few months ago. So this show was perfect for trying to add to that collection or upgrade certain parts of that collection. So it all kind of worked out for me. <laughs>
0: and then the two of you have a shared interest in Ewoks and, um, Mike, uh, you and Vicki picked up something really incredible. Um, <laughs> and when I saw a picture of it, I said, I definitely have to speak to them and see what their, their, uh, experience was like. Um, so what was that star Wars piece?
3: Uh, well, I accidentally kind of fell into a tr- chief chirp of focus. Um, I purchased a bunch of items off my friend Dennis Hall, and part of it was, part of the deal was, oh, would you take a bunch of these Chief Chirpa carded figures, which I did. And being the completest I am, I had to start adding another and another and another. So last week I was following the Hakes auction where they had a carded engineering pilot of the unproduced Chief Chirpa figure, which I followed pretty closely but went way past my budget. And then lo and behold, at the toy show, I found an unproduced first shot of that same Chief Chirpa figure. And uh, it was Tracy Hamilton who was selling it, and uh, he made a pretty good deal on it for me. So Vicky said, what are you waiting for? Buy it. And I did.
0: Now, I didn't know that you had gotten it from Tracy. I knew that uh, I saw the picture of it, and it's an incredible piece. Um, It made it as far as packaging. In the line and was never produced um, the the line was essentially canceled before the chief chirpa came out tracy is a gem in our hobby he's a wonderful guy and to know that you were able to get it is just fantastic so what are your plans for it <laughs>
3: well right now i need to find a case for it that'll fit um, other than that he's just going to be displayed front and center of, in front of all the carded chief chirpa figures
0: Oh, that's amazing. And can you describe it a little bit? What are the colors on it?
3: Um, he's brown bodied with gray legs and arms, light gray. And I've seen one before without the staff, and this one actually has a dark gray staff with it. So I was really happy about that.
0: Oh, it's always nice to get them complete like that. Um, well, that, that's fantastic. Um, Vicki, what was your reaction um, when you saw the, the piece for the first time?
2: I kind of knew it was something that Mike should consider, but he tends to go for carded figures. So I wasn't sure that it would fall in line with what he wanted, but it's such a perfect lineup with the chirp of focus that um, I told him that he had been looking at some other possible investments and that I felt like this one fit so beautifully into what he had going on already that it seemed like a natural pickup. And I kind of figured it might disappear. So it was better to grab hold of it while we saw the opportunity.
0: I'm really glad you did. Um, Thank you. Were, were people around you buying Star Wars items at the show? Um, what were
2: What, what was the, the buying like?
3: Well that's hard to say. Uh, all
2: well, the vendors I, think, I talked to said that they had, they had a good experience. I mean, everybody said they were selling.
3: Yeah, uh, I, think, I think all toy lines were selling at this show. It was it was that active.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a fantastic ex- experience. Um, did it stay busy for most of the day, or did it the crowd start to die off at a certain time?
3: From the time we were there, I didn't really see it die down.
2: No, me either. There was a consistent stream. Actually, there's one building that's smaller than the others that has like a small ante room at the front and then a larger room that you walk into at the back where, um, Clifton Boggs had one end of the small room and Ryan Lemke had the other end of the small room. And there was such a traffic jam getting into that little room to even try to get back to the back room that there was a line queued outside.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. That's great. <laughs> um, for for either of you, was there an item that you saw that you had considered purchasing and you
2: didn't? I can go first. I had the. <laughs> it's not Star Wars, but I have a very, very dear to me Gilligan's Island bath playset from Play School that I purchased loose, complete, and in pristine condition. And I actually saw two boxed examples. I've seen a boxed example only on the internet until we were at the show and I heavily debated the first one. It was complete internal and box. And the guy was asking more than I wanted to spend seeing as I had most of it already. And then I thought you shouldn't do that Two other people have picked it up, but I walked away from it. And when we got to that same building, I was just talking about where the line was queued there was another boxed example, and that's unheard of. Like, I just don't see those, and I still walked away from it because I thought there might be something else more suited for me. The box is big and display space is at a premium for us.
0: Did you go back to check and see if they had sold before you left?
2: No, because the show was so massive, and we were so tired of bumping <laughs> into people that sure. we, were, we literally looked at one another. For one thing, it was like Chicago wins up there. On Saturday. So literally every time you walked out of a building, your hat would get ripped off your head. I'm kind of a small person. I was actually being pushed around by the <laughs> oh, wind. Wow. And it, we bo- all three looked at one another and said, are we going to do another lap? I'm like, nah, I think I'm ready to go. <laughs> I think I've hit overload point.
0: Yeah. It's like being in the ocean for a while where, you know, the, the waves are kind of pounding against you. Uh, you're being pushed about and you're enjoying yourself. And then you hit a point and you're like, I'm I'm done being in the water. It's time for me to get my things and get back to my car. So, I understand that. Mike, how about you?
3: Uh, probably the only item would be that Jawa bag. Um even though the box was in really rough shape, you don't see them hardly at ever. So, I, I it would have been a nice addition to the collection I have the R2D2 and Darth Vader one right now. But uh I I think I'm pretty happy with what I purchased, so I really have no regrets.
0: Yeah, I'd say you win for the weekend. That's <laughs> that's a pretty great pickup. Well I'm happy <laughs> for both of you. I mean it sounds like it was a, a great show. Did this Xenia show feel like a different show to you than previous iterations?
3: I thought it was busier and it just seemed more fun, maybe because we had our friend Brent with us and his mouth was on the floor several times, and that was fun to see. But I just think overall the atmosphere seemed a lot more active than the last two I've been to.
0: It's always fun to see a toy show through someone else's eyes. Um, I've had that, that experience before, and I've uh, been fortunate to, to witness something like that. But um, Vicki, do you, do you feel the same way? Was it, um, was it a standout show for you?
2: I would say so. I think that the diversity of vendors were high. Um, I always love the chance to see all of the different kinds of toys, even down to the little finds that we make. I mean, Mike bought three little Mickey Mouse books that were made in 1934 that sit beautifully with the little Mickey plush that he bought a few months ago. And I can't think of seeing anything like that at any of the other toy shows that we attend regionally. So that factor alone makes it exciting. And I've been trying to talk Brent into coming to Cincinnati almost as often as I bother you about coming to see us, David. (laughs) So I think that that for me was a pinnacle highlight as I've been shouting at the mountain with him for years, telling him how amazing our toy scene is. And to watch him see it in person with such a wonderful show full of friends was really amazing.
0: That's usually the one thing that, you know, where you, you have a great experience like that and then you're just set for life where you're just going to come back as many times as you possibly can. So I have a feeling he will return and will be a uh, <laughs> at, at least a visitor, if not a buyer.
2: I hope so. And we took him on the full round of toy shops as well. Mike played chauffeur on Friday. We both took a PTO day. and took him around the 275 loop to hit all of the standards road to the past collectibles, toy department. Uh, we drove around to the East side and hit house of plastic and spent some time there. So he got the full gamut.
0: Oh, that's wonderful to hear. And I, I love that. I love the fact that you two are able to share in this experience together, um, that you're able to shop for stuff and to bring home, um, items for your respective collections as well as your shared collection. Um, and I look forward to seeing both of you again and your collections. So Mike and Vicki, thank you so much for taking time today. Uh, it's always nice to hear about the shows too. Um, is there anything that you'd like to leave us with? Uh, you know, one last impression of the Xenia show.
2: It's unparalleled. If you've thought about coming to Kane County, then think about coming to great Ohio as well, as I would say that it's a fantastic toy experience worth it worth coming and seeing in person
3: yeah i have to agree uh i was gonna say if you love toys come out to it because you will have a blast <laughs>
0: Clifton, you and I had a chat on Sunday, and you came away from the Xenia show. It, it sounded like you were really happy with it, and it was a great experience for you. Um, why, why was it a positive one?
4: So I want to say this is probably the best Xenia show that I have done um, since I've been doing it. It's probably one of the best shows that I've done in, I would say, pre-COVID period, you know? wow and and why why was it why did it stand out to you? Um, there just seemed like there were so many people, everybody was in a good mood um and everybody was walking around with tons of toys, plus I've
0: seen so much vintage there. I think that really makes a difference too, because it seems like at toy shows all across the country, it's getting harder and harder to find really good vintage toys. I think a lot were sold during the pandemic, you know, when people were home and people just, you know, the vendors that are showing up, they don't have the, the inventory anymore.
4: Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I'm sure there's tons of inventory out there and people just have to dig through what they have to get rid of it, but it is not showing up like it used to, you know, tons of carded
0: anything oh and there seems to be a lot of i think excitement and hype around the xenia show right now and and this seems to happen um you know over the course of the the last few decades anytime there would be a show that was maybe a little newer or that would would catch a little bit of momentum um there would be a, a real interest in this and um And the show would would do fairly well. It would draw attention. Um, So why do you think Xenia is having its moment right now? I think, well, first, it's it's
4: a newer show. And I don't remember how long it's been going on. I don't even want to say four years. Um, It happens twice a year. And now they're up to seven buildings. So it's almost like a Chicago-Kane County show. But... You know, it's in our backyard
0: in Ohio. Yeah, and you said that you saw um, a lot of people with toys and especially vintage toys. So what kind of vintage items, especially Star Wars stuff, did you see?
4: Uh, well, the Lemkuls were set up right across from me. So they had all kinds of amazing um, Star Wars pieces. I They had a first shot uh, um, Hoth Luke, um, which was really nice and uh, I, I saw so much. I saw so many pre-production things. Uh, Bill Wells and uh, Tracy was there. Uh, they had a, a bunch of pre-production stuff and, and nice Migos and Superpowers, Indiana Jones. You know, I just I saw so much walking around. It was hard to remember what all I seen, and... uh I didn't have help this time, so I didn't really get to, you know, look look. If that makes sense,
0: absolutely. And it, it sounds like you were very busy at your table, so I, I understand not having that time, right?
4: I I was I was very busy at my table. You know, I had three tables, um, and what blew my mind is I left with eleven empty totes from that show. So that that means people were just buying.
0: What kind of stuff were people buying from you?
4: Um. So I brought a lot of high end stuff, and I started cleaning out the basement of the uh, the store. And I don't want to say they were beater figures or whatnot, but uh, I sold totes of Masters of the Universe, uh, Star Wars. Um, a tons of GI Joe uh, file cards and blueprints, um, micro machines, poly Pockets. You know, I was selling all kinds of things. Zena, uh, I was selling her. I, I I don't know. It was wild, and I sold tons of G one Transformers as well, which I had a ton of really nice ones.
0: So you were selling Zena at Xenia. Yes. <laughs> um okay so we've we've discussed this and and um you know I, I think people that go to toy shows they get kind of a general idea of what items are selling but also the the price range that people are are paying uh or or the 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 average that people are spending um and it seems like You know, over the last year, a lot of the shows, people have been coming in and buying items that were $100 or or under. And now it even seems like more like either $50 and under or $25 and under. Um, Were you seeing that at this show as well?
4: Um, I was seeing all across the board at my table. um, Just because most of the, uh, the G1 Transformers I had were over $100 plus because they were beautiful and i sold at least 20 pieces out of my case um but you know they were they were talking to people that i don't want to say nickel or diming but watching what they spent because you can't blow your whole wad of cash in one building when you have six other buildings to go through
0: sure and that makes sense and you know i've spoken to people i, I think vicky and and um, Vicky Bitter and Mike Esposito were telling me that they spent, I think, four hours just doing their first lap.
4: Yes, yes. Um, you know, and they did it right because they actually looked at every table, combing, combing it just like uh, Tatooine, you know.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> so, so they they had picked up a um, a first shot Ewok. Unproduced Ewok from uh, Bill and Tracy, um, and you had also picked up some pre-production pieces for yourself as well, too. Can you tell us what they were?
4: Uh, yes, I uh, picked up around the Power of the Force two era. Um, I found a Luke Skywalker um, from the expanded universe. I also found a uh, space trooper from the expanded universe, and I found a weak way from Power of the Force 2. They were all complete, really nice. I didn't expect to see these there. It was actually from a guy that uh, was from the the Canton area where I'm from, and uh, I was definitely surprised what he had.
0: It's always nice, too, because, you know, to find really nice vintage um, is great. But then to find these items where, you know, they are they can be one of a kind or one of a handful uh, is really special. And um, and look, anytime you find a Luke, it's fantastic. So as a Luke fan, um, <laughs> so con- congratulations on those pickups. Um, I know you said you didn't get to really walk around too much. But when you did, um, were you able to get a general idea of, of prices and, you know, did you feel like the the vendors were fairly priced? Were their items maybe on the on the higher end, or were they more bargain value based?
4: I think with uh, most vendors that I would stop by and check out what they had, um, most people were. I don't want to say lowering their prices, but uh, there they were so much better at this show for some reason where. Uh, you know, if I was actually collecting it or put it into my collection, I wouldn't have mind paying that price. And and there would not have been any haggling involved. It would have just been like, OK, yeah, that's what I'm
0: paying. Do you think the lower prices that you saw at this show was a result of people just wanting to move the stuff or maybe even, you know, having to deal with the competition that comes with something like 700 tables? you know, where you're trying to get people's attention and and getting people to to stop in because you, you do want to sell the stuff.
4: I think it's all the above, you know, it's maybe they've been sitting on it for a few years. Um, you know, at its height, it was, it was crazy, but, uh, you know, maybe they've just reassessed everything and we're like, okay, yeah, this stuff is dropping. I, I need to drop it or I'd like to move it along so I could get the next piece on my table. Um, You know it's it's a tough one because i i've even went through the store and lowered tons of prices on things you know from six months ago because
0: it's a drastic change you know okay so as an owner of a toy store you can see it um you can see the actual shift in what people are willing to spend and in values yes you, you can for sure
4: um, what I try to do, uh, I will go on eBay, like just like everybody, and just get a, an average. But I always try to, when I'm pricing things, I try to be below the average, because if I'm getting it at a good price, why not give it away at a good price? Unless it's a super rare piece, you know, that you want to set around
0: and look at. And I think as a toy shop owner too. Somebody who who leads with that attitude is going to always have a really strong core base of of people that will shop at this at the store and will buy from you because of that you know because of that thoughtfulness that you put into it. Um, so I know the name of your store, but I'm afraid I don't know if people do. What is the name of your store?
4: So I own and operate Happy Pappy's Action Figure Extravaganza. It's in downtown Ken. <laughs>
0: that's great and then um if if people wanted to reach out to you if they were looking for a certain item what's the best way to do it
4: um the best way i love when people stop in but not everybody can stop in um so either go to facebook you know type in happy pappies action figure extravaganza or instagram or we also have a website Um, but give us a call. Sometimes when people email or send DMs or whatever, it's hard to keep up on all of them just because, you know, I'm either in the basement going through a bunch of toys or, you know, we're busy helping other customers.
0: Okay. And were there any items that you saw there that you were considering purchasing when you were at Xenia or, and, and maybe Maybe you hesitated and missed out, or you just you decided not to. You got home, and then you instantly regretted it. So to be honest,
4: I could have filled my car with all kinds <laughs> of new toys. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, but I was kind of watching what I spent. I, I spent my budget on the pre-production, and I found some vintage accessories that I bought. But I was watching what I spent at this show just because I will be in celebration next
0: week. Okay, yes. And you really need to fully pad your wallet if you're traveling out to London for celebration. Yes,
4: for sure. Um, uh, I Just yesterday, I, I splurged and I bought a second-hand VIP. So, wow, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I still have a good pad, but not as much as I did
0: but you're going to have a better time now so
4: <laughs> of course yes i'm going to have a better time i uh i could go to every panel um i could i feel bad cutting lines but hey i guess that's what you get when
0: you when you're royalty it's part of the vip <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> right so you had mentioned when we first began talking that um you said that the crowd was The people were really happy while they were at the show. Um, What gave you this impression?
4: You just saw so many smiles, and everybody wanted to talk to you, no matter if they were not buying from you or, you know, a, a simple hello goes a long way, especially in any type of community. But it just felt like everybody was out to have a great time, you know, this past Saturday
0: and it's funny because every time i i come out to either the columbus show or the cincinnati show um anytime i'm in ohio i always get that that sense and that feeling as well too i've never been to an ohio show where people weren't genial and and um and just overall happy uh, and warm i I think there's there's a, a warmth that that comes from that area as well um but it's it's so nice to hear did the crowd stay pretty steady throughout the day or did it start to tail off at some point so at a, at
4: a normal Xenia show, um, they start early buying at 8 a.m. And it I don't want to say it's, it's busy, but you, you could tell there's a, quite a bit of people walking around, especially when you have seven buildings. Um, and then it usually tapers off around 1 o'clock, and then you, you randomly have 30 to 50 every 30 minutes or something like that. But this show did not stop until three 30 and the show was over at four o'clock. It was, it was a great turnout. I, I don't even know the numbers, but it was, it was just really good.
0: Sounds like you had a, a a good weekend overall. Um, how was the weather for Xenia? So, um, Friday it was rainy.
4: Uh, it was just spitting rain and that was when we were loading and everything. Um, Saturday, it was nice and sunny, but the wind was, it was a killer. I mean, it was blowing everything around, but it did not stop all those toy people to go, go around and and
0: find their uh, hidden gems. I'm glad that you were able to survive the wind and that everyone came out. Um, Will you be setting up at the next Xenia toy show?
4: Yes I'll be setting up at the next Xenia I'll be setting up at all Xenia toy shows until I can't set up <laughs> <laughs> okay and I, then mm-hmm. I will say this um, October you know October shows are always a little slower um, but I still en- I enjoy that show
0: And while you were there this weekend, did you notice any particular trends overall trends? Um, in collecting, or in what people were either looking for, or buying, or just uh, you know, in general for the hobby, um, mainly a
4: lot of boxed items. You know, I saw tons of big boxed items walking around in people's hands. So you know, people are you know just filling filling their holes, filling the gaps. Um, you know, there's tons of Star Wars just like at any show, but there was also tons of everything else.
0: And do you feel like people were buying Star Wars?
4: Yes, people were buying Star Wars. I, you know, I don't think people will not buy Star Wars.
0: I agree. It, it's nice to hear a positive reaction um, to, a, to a show like this. You know, with a, each toy show, you, you just you never know. Um, how it's going to be, how it's going to perform, and what the experience is going to be like. Um, and this one, you know, it just sounds like it's, it was an overwhelmingly positive experience for many people, um, which is what what we all want for our friends. So uh, I'm so glad to hear that, Clifton. Um, and I'm glad you had some awesome pickups as well, too. I'm sure you'll never forget the show for that. Uh, but congratulations.
4: Thank you very much. I The only thing that I have to say is, If you think about going to the show, um, Xenia does something kind of like Chicago. So if you want to shop the show while people are setting up, I think it's like 25 bucks for Friday and Saturday, or I don't feel that you have to shop the, do the pre shop and, you know, just go on Saturday and have a good time. You know, seven buildings of toys. I don't know how many tables that is, but, uh, it's bigger than it's better than going to any con just to look for toys because this is dedicated to toys
0: with the the pre-shop day you're essentially paying $25 to get in on friday while the dealers are sending, setting up um and then that also i believe allows you to get in on saturday for the actual show as well right it does yes Okay.
4: And and it's very close to Cincinnati. Like, if you're coming from out of state, it's close to Cincinnati. You could go do some Kenner stuff. Um, There's so many, if you want to hunt toys, there's so many toy stores in that area. You could make a week of it and not hit everything.
0: Well, I've never been to a Xenia toy show before, and so one of my goals for this year is to head out, if I'm able to, to head out to, to Xenia in the fall um, to check it out. And, and uh, so I know I'll be seeing you there as well, too, and we'll get to hang out. We'll get to talk Clone Wars and Ahsoka and everything that we love. So um, Clifton, I look forward to it. Can't wait. And uh, really, I'm glad that this was such a good experience for you.
4: Thank you, David. Thanks for having me on here. I always uh, appreciate you uh... Let me uh, give you my humble
0: and honest opinion. All right. Well, have fun at Celebration, my my VIP friend, and uh, enjoy your experience there as well. (laughs) Thank you, David.
4: I appreciate it. I wish you were coming
0: with me. So, Joel, you were shopping the Xenia Toy Show uh, this past weekend. What was the experience like for you?
5: Uh, yeah, it was a great experience. Um, we made kind of a half weekend out of the whole thing. Um, me and another local Cleveland collector, Mike Zrabinski, we stayed together on Friday night. Um, and we, we, we drove separate, but we got down. We stayed uh, right around the Wright-Patt Air Force Base in Dayton area. And then we, um, we went down to the Cincinnati area and went to, uh, uh, Sean and Ryan Lemcool's Cincinnati toy museum. Um, we had a set, I set that up a week before. Um, well, Ryan was, he was like, well, text me the day of, and if, if I can do it, I will, If but I might still be setting up. So it, it was, so it was kind of a last minute thing, but he was available. And so we drove down there and had dinner and then, uh, Spent a couple hours at, at the Toy Museum, uh, which was my second time. Um, and just, just a was just as great the second time as the first. And I was really excited for my buddy Mike to see it for the first time. So we did that Friday night and then got up, went to the show on Saturday. So what was
0: it like in the morning of Xenia? Is it, is it heavily crowded or um, does it take a while for the audience to really get there and attendees to kind of stroll on in?
5: We didn't, well, we did we didn't do early bird. Um, so we got there around nine 30 ish, I think, and cars were coming in definitely. It was kind of a, a, a good flowing line of cars, people coming in. Um, not too crazy, but we got into the show and it was, it was a very busy show. Um, every table was lined with people and you almost had to like work your way up to the table to see anything. Um, so just like a, a very bustling toy show.
1: Were
0: you able to get an idea of what people were buying?
5: Um, I think I saw a little bit of everything. Um, the Xenia show is very vintage heavy, I think. Um, there is some modern. Um, in the size of it, you see mo- quite a bit of modern, but I think you see more vintage there. Um, so coming in, I saw a guy carrying the uh, one of the Indiana Jones vehicles um, I think he had a, I think he had a graded one, so that was kind of cool just to see a guy walk walking in with that cool vintage piece um but overall, I mean just you saw um people care- people with all sorts of things vintage and modern
0: okay and um were there any particular Star Wars items that you saw that people had at their tables or were purchasing
5: um there was a lot of vintage Star Wars, um, a lot of men on cards. Um, there was a couple of things that piqued my interest, like the R2-D2 bot bag. Um, I didn't see anybody really carrying around any vintage, I don't think, um, maybe they had it in their bags, but I didn't really see anybody carrying anything that I can think of. Um, but there was a lot, a lot of vintage, a lot of carded, uh, a lot of vehicles, um, And just a very, very nice selection of of vintage Star Wars.
0: Did you pick up anything for yourself?
5: Yeah, I picked up a couple Power of the Force coins. Um, I'm I'm getting my last 17 graded with the coins, so there's still a few of those I need. So I picked up those, and I picked up some of the DECA plates and bowls. Um, So nothing big. I didn't go crazy here because the week before – i had I was at the Columbus toy show and had bought um the uh, the bin for the the or the twelve back display bin
0: so that twelve back bin is what would have held all of the original twelve backs in the stores it it essentially looks like a rectangular um cardboard box uh that's open in the front and center and then there would be a header over it correct
5: yes so so at bat, well, way back at Toy Ohio in February, um, Sean and Ryan Lemkul were there, and they had the, the header, the, the cardboard header, uh, which has the all first twelve characters, just like a, a face shot of all of, of all the actors um, or characters. Um, so I was really interested in that, and at that point, I didn't quite have enough money, so I told them, "Hey, maybe it, it Columbus, um, if you still have it, I might I'll be interested in it." So then the night before the Columbus show, we're on chatting with a few friends uh, on Zoom and another collector, uh, Robert Ortiz, was interested in the bin. So so they had a. A single header by itself, and then they had the header in the bin for sale. Um, So I was interested in just the header. Robert was interested in just the bin because he already has the header. So we're at so I'm at the show. He's not at the show. He's he lives in another state. So I'm at the show um talking to to them about that. Um and they didn't want to split up the header and the bin. So I c- told Robert to call me and we talked and I was like, "Hey, I'm interested. I'm thinking about just buying the header. If you just want the bin, why don't we just go half on on the piece and then And then I'll I'll bring you the uh, bin in Chicago next month or or in April for the Kane County show. So that's what we did. So I have the whole bin right now. um, And then I will be taking the header to him in Chicago here in another month or so.
0: I love that. I think it's fantastic because this way you guys were able to get the the best of both worlds. You each got the piece that you wanted. And that item has now been split between two friends um, who met through essentially through our our chats and and through star Wars, so uh congratulations to both of you on that so you picked that up at at Columbus last week and then um your wallet decided to take a little breather and you headed to Xenia to just kind of shop and look for things like the power of the force coins
5: yeah if i would have if I would have left Xenia with nothing, I still would have been been happy um but there's definitely something for everyone there it's just a huge show there's just so much there it's you can't even take it all in in one day. That should be a two day show.
0: Was there anything at the show that if you hadn't purchased the bin, you probably would have grabbed at Xenia?
5: Um, well, the R2D2 bot bag someone had, I was really interested in. Um, so I missed out on that one. Um, but I think I'll find another one of those, um, pretty soon. Um, so, But but no, um, but the only thing I'm really looking for right now, I'm just, I'm trying to finish my 12 back run. So I'm, I'm look, looking for Luke 12 back and a Chewy 12 back to finish off my 12 back run. Um, but always little things like this comes up and then I go spend the money on something else and then got to save a little longer. But it It'll, also
0: makes sense. I mean, when you can find something like a header to the the 12-back bin, I mean, that that's something very special. So that, it, it's nice to mark, you know, these these two weeks for you.
5: That's that's what I thought. It was like 12-back Luke's and Chewie's come up pretty often. A 12-back uh, uh, header does not come up very often.
0: <laughs> right, right. What was the crowd like at Xenia?
5: Just a very busy crowd. Um a th- lot of, a uh, lot of people. Um, it was a very busy show. Um, I think a lot of families, I think since um, admissions only $5 to Xenia. Um, so you, I, th- I think you see a lot more uh, people with their spouses and their kids and they just making a day out of it.
0: From the people around you, did it look more like they were just browsing through stuff or were people actively buying items?
5: I think people were actively buying. Um, I saw quite a few deals going going on at tables. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people just browsing. I think, um, but but yeah, I did see quite a few deals going going down at, at tables um, while I was just looking around.
0: I know it's hard to to glean trends from just you know going to a show or two, but from your experience at Xenia and Columbus, was there anything that you noticed? Uh, as far as a, a, a trend in the collecting world or even through Star Wars or Star Wars toys, um, is there anything that, that stood out to you from these these shows
5: um, i think um, I think prices are just weird right now from what I see. Um, so I was at Xenia in the fall as well, and I thought the prices on Vintage Star Wars in the fall were crazy. Um, I literally saw. Uh, Bespin guards going for $60, and I know that was at the height of, of the market back in wait, the fall wait,
0: for a loose Bespin guard.
5: Yes, wow, <laughs> not, not even that great. Wow, um, yeah, so like a lot of loose stuff, the prices were pretty high. Um, at Columbus, I thought they were very reasonable. I was like, uh, I was really pleased that like prices seemed to have come back down, and then Xenia this time, um. I think the prices were lower a little bit, but still they weren't. As, the prices weren't as good as Columbus, I don't think. Um, but I think they had come down a little bit from the last Xenia show, but still a little high.
0: Okay, so if you were a Star Wars uh, fan and collector and, and you had a few hundred or a few thousand dollars in your pocket and you were going to the shows, most likely you would have gotten maybe the better deals at, at Columbus this time.
5: Definitely, yes. I think definitely prices were better with dealers who, who mainly deal in Star Wars, I think. When you see um, vendors who maybe have a little bit of Star Wars, the prices seem to be a little higher.
0: So overall, was your experience a positive one?
5: Yes, definitely. Uh, like I said, I had a great time. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do the Xenia show twice a year. Cause, you know, it's it's a three hour drive for me to do that show which isn't bad, but usually it does require an overnight stay uh usually on a Friday night because um, i don't I'm not getting up at five or six in the morning like you do sure. to go to go to shows <laughs> sure uh, um, so so I'll definitely do one a year maybe try to trade off maybe do the the fall one one year the march one the next year
0: I think sure. that's a healthy approach and um you know it's nice that you Living in that area, I mean, you still have, you know, three hours isn't a bad drive, as you said, and and having those options is is a pretty nice thing. You know, there are a lot of really good shows out in that area, and I'm glad you were able to go to Columbus
5: and Xenia. So, uh, what's the next show for you? Uh, So, Kane County uh, next month, it'll be my first time. Um, So, rooming with a few other fellow collectors, um, and we're going to leave on Thursday and then just have a couple of days of hanging out and do the, do the hotel sales and then do the show on Sunday and then head home right after the, the show. So I'm really looking forward to that, looking forward to hanging out with, with some great collectors and just having some fun.
0: It's always nice to go to a, a new part of the country, you know, in search of toys and then also meeting up with our, our fellow friends and collectors. Um, I think the Kane County will be a fun show for you. And I, I'd be curious to hear what your take is on Kane after going to a place like Xenia um, but I'm, I'm glad Xenia was a good show for you uh, I hope you have a wonderful time out in Kane. and thank you so much for taking time out to talk today
5: oh thank you for having me David it was a real pleasure
0: I'm glad you joined us today for a look at the spring edition of Xenia's Great Ohio Toy Show. My thanks to Vicki Bitter, Clifton Boggs, Zach Curtis, Mike Esposito, and Joel Slater for taking the time to share their experiences with us, and to provide us with a fuller understanding of this popular show. If you're enjoying the episodes, please leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. I promise you, it takes less than a minute to do so, and can have a larger impact on the community than you and I could ever imagine. I want to share a recent review with you. I was really touched by a listener's kind words. Here's what they wrote about the podcast. Great source for next-level Star Wars toy info and history. Host David Quinn reflects with great sentiment on the history of the Star Wars toy line and everything surrounding it. His love, along with strong writing and skillful delivery, builds an experience for the listener that is truly of the highest caliber. After hearing something like that, if you weren't familiar with the podcast, you'd probably want to check it out, right? And that's really the purpose of the reviews. It's in your hands to share the connective podcasts that you feel others would enjoy. It's a thumbs up to a fellow collector to give something like Prototypes and Production a try and you never know where your review might lead them next. And please, if you have a moment, share an episode with a friend. It's one of the easiest ways we can grow the community and to get others connected to the world of Star Wars and collecting. This month is going to be a very busy one, and a really exciting one for Star Wars fans. We have a lot of interesting events coming up, like Star Wars Celebration London, and I'm looking forward to sharing a fun lineup of episodes with you over the next 30 days. In the meantime, we'll continue to explore the world George Lucas created on Star Wars Prototypes and production.